Anybody who works in any kind of occupation should be asking themselves periodically, where am I in my career? What could I be doing better? How do I get better? That's Dave Leffel, voiceover casting director, 26-year veteran audio engineer, ADR supervisor for NBC's Chicago Fire and Chicago PD, voiceover demo producer, and has voiced commercials for McDonald's, Sears, Ford, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, and the list goes on. He's currently teaching beginning voiceover classes at the Acting Studio Chicago. This episode is part two of the second conversation I had with Dave. This podcast is brought to you by The 5-Minute Journal. It is something that changed my life for the better, as well as many others. I will leave the link to learn more in the description of this episode. Hope you enjoy. If your natural announcer is what you did on your audition and it's the lively, bigger guy, you know, wait for that work. I mean, that, that could be true. That could be that you're, you lean toward that, you gravitate toward that, and you, you like that type of sound. The guy who is that low-key on that Honda spot that was actually hired, he's definitely competition. Um, but if you feel like you can get there, or had you had the benefit of some other type of direction or other choice of words, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of creatives and copywriters out there that think they hear something, and they write down that direction, and then somebody comes through that either ignored it or did something really interesting with it, and they go, oh, yeah. No, that's more what I meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted right. that. <laughs> right. You know, and because writers and creatives, they don't always know what they want. They don't know what they want until they hear it. So, you know, you're you're at the mercy of a lot of things in play. And uh, the number one thing I had to learn when I started hearing things like that go to air that weren't what I thought the audition was at all I used to get really upset about, but as an engineer, I started experiencing them, and I started witnessing why and why that happened. And I I can't tell you how much work I've produced that I actually auditioned for, that my agent, you know, put me on. Um, And I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'm mixing that in two days. (laughs) Um, And there I am mixing the work and recording uh, one of my fellow voice artists at my agency, and I'm happy for him, but I'm watching what happened? And I'm thinking to myself, that wasn't the audition at all. Yeah. And that wasn't it. And I can see why they like him, and I can see why he got it. And and it's really a joy to be part of this process because it just can show actors that, you know, every the, the end-all, be-all is not the audition. You know, it's going to take another form by the time it's done. So I'm curious, now that you've seen that uh, phenomenon or whatever, that situation happen a number of times Um, a couple questions for you number one is when you see uh, the direction on these on the uh, the audition do you sometimes think I I know what they're going for here and it's not written here and give them something do you purposely disregard some of the, the direction sometimes some of the direction yes and that's a good way to state that because if I do a read based on exactly what they're looking for, um, I'll say to myself, you know what, uh, I've seen this campaign. I've seen their last few commercials. And you know what's great about that is you can, too. You can go to iSpot.tv. You can see their last few commercials. You mm-hmm. can see the campaigns that they generally do. And then you can look at that direction and that script and go, oh, this falls in line with what I just saw. 
or a lot of times I say, uh, that guy was on the last four commercials. Why are they auditioning it? Why don't they just use that guy? And then I'll look at it and I'll see, oh, they are asking for a little bit different. They're asking for something a little more sobering. Uh, maybe they don't want their guy. Maybe they mm -hmm. just want to toss it out there and see if they get some other interesting voice for this thing. So I kind of take a step back and I analyze why they're looking for something different, first of all. I mean, if it's if it's uh, Mazda or something like that, we, we know the Mazda feel for spots. We know different types of brands and, and what they are usually all about. And if you see something that says, uh, we are looking for a voice that is uh, much more honest than our normal announcer. We're looking for a voice that conveys honesty to the audience, uh, someone really approachable. What, what crappy direction, by the way. I hate that word. Uh, what the hell does that mean? Right. People can approach me anytime they want. I, I, I don't care. Does that make me more approachable, less approachable? I, I don't know what that means. I mean, who decided who's approachable or not? Uh, but I, I start looking at those things, and then I'll do a read or two, and then I'll say to myself, you know, that doesn't sound honest. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here that's making it difficult to sound honest. And I'll look for those key phrases that are the most honest phrases, uh, things that look like we or our. That's why we do this. That's why our brand does this or that. If you're speaking on behalf of a product and you really are a spokesperson, no wonder they want you to be honest. They do. you know. And, but there's some gems in that script. There's obviously something in there that is very honest. But you've got to look for those phrases. You've got to dig a little deeper. You've got to really analyze that script and find some of those most honest phrases, and then set your tone on those, and then read the rest of that BS that's in there that gets, you know, their brand and their product and probably gets a little wordy, but find those honest tones in there so you can at least meet the mark on them and then blend it all together. But I always, you know, I used to tell people, look for the tagline. You know, if the tagline is, Subway, eat fresh. The rest of the thing should be up here, nice and bright and friendly. And if you're looking for honesty and you see we or our or the way we've been making it for 100 years and the way we've been doing this and that, it's usually downplayed. It's usually warmer. It usually leans toward that storyteller because you're looking for that honesty. And it may only be in the opening two sentences in the setup. But once you set that tone and you're in that honest voice, even with whatever those sentences are, at least you've got a marker. Uh, that, that kind of anchors you a little bit more for that honesty. So, you know, it's, it's script analysis, too. You, you've got to dig for the gems. You've got to find the – if somebody says honest, it's like, okay, what's honest about this? Let me find it. i got to go dig a little bit. And once you capture those phrases and you sit there and you just stand there and relax and, you know, take a couple deep breaths and then say, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to say this how it is. I'm just going to tell you what's in here. And no schmaltz, no need to, you know, overemphasize, no need to overexpress the situation because they're looking for that honesty. You say those couple phrases and go. And um, I think every script has that stuff. Every script has something that anchors the tone they're looking for. So hmm. if they say, we want big and kitschy, okay, Wisconsin Lottery, we want big and kitschy. The all-new Wisconsin Lottery holiday scratch-off. You know, whatever it is, it's like, okay, no wonder they're going kitschy. They're going kitschy and live. Holiday scratch-off from the Wisconsin Lottery. 
and they're getting up there, and they're getting big, and it's like, okay, I get it. They had that anchor. They had that thing that told me they were going to be kitschy. And uh, honesty is just a tough one because you've got to look more. You've got to find how a, wrote, how a writer thinks that they wrote something honest. But it's in there, and it's findable. So a lot of times on auditions, as you know, uh, they they ask for multiple takes. Yeah. And I've always wondered, and I do not know the answer to this. I'm really curious. But how do you use the the two takes? How different are they? Are they similar? Do you go like, do you do maybe one that's exactly the way they asked for it, and then one on your own, like the way that you want to do it? How how do you view? The two um, I've, I've had a lot of auditions better. that show up, and the agent just says, give two takes, and that's it. Um, I've also had somebody specify what two types of takes. Like, we'd love to hear a classic announcer, and we'd like to hear a very conversational read. Right. Well, that's easy, because yeah. when we're conversational, we're fast. So, number one, speed it up, drop down the energy a little bit, and I'm motoring, and I'm, and I'm you know, telling a much quicker conversational story. Um, if I'm announcery i mean that's you know you put it up you put 500 guys up against each other with their announcery tone and you're going to get 500 different guys <laughs> you're going to get you know everybody's idea of what a classic announcer is um but uh if it's just as two takes i will give their scripted version first and then i will give my idea of what i think it should be second so if i read to their spec and then I go, you know what, I wouldn't do that. I mean, there's some phrases in there that just sound like either more perky or there's some phrases in there that sound less important that I should downplay, and I'm downplaying this script. It's going to be one or the other. Either I say to myself, wow, this needs to be more punchy, and I punch it up, or I say this needs to be more downplayed and quick, and I go quick. But I, I, I've had people go so quick that it's, it's unintelligible. You know, it goes by too fast. Mm-hmm. Like nobody would buy that. Nobody would put that on a commercial. Like the the voiceover is racing. Um, there's something too quick about it. So if you change your speed, it should be subtle. You know, you're just not doing what you did on read number one. You don't want to. You don't want to do something radically different than what you did before. But mm-hmm. if you drop it down a little bit and turn it on and kind of shrug your shoulders a little bit here and there and just kind of give me the facts. That might give them a little bit different read to say, oh, hey, that person's, you know, they can do either one of those things for us. And and that's what they're looking for. They just want to hear the variety in the two takes. Why would anyone want two takes of exactly the same thing? Right. I've, I've had people do two takes of exactly the same thing, and I'm like, I just cut off the second one because yeah. read one was all I needed. Well, I don't need to hear you do the same thing again. I wanted to hear some variety. I wanted to hear you show me what you can do. You show me what you think it should be. You show me your natural instincts. It's like if somebody says, you know, we want a bright and fun and uh, the music is celebratory. Well, great. Okay. Maybe the next one, I'll let the music be celebratory and I'll just kind of state it how it is and give a little more matter of fact read. But at least it lets the listener know that I've got a couple reads in me. Sure. And, and that's all they want to do. I've I've actually had clients literally say to me, um, well, we didn't know exactly where the script was going to go. We just wanted to see what the talent could do. You know, they're they're looking to the professionals to give them some inspiration. You know, when I hear a person's voice and they do a read, I'm I'm never against it. You know, if they do a read and I think it's workable, 
I'll say, okay, you know, that was really good, but you know you did something in there that I heard that made me think that you can go a little faster. Or I did something that, you did something there that I heard that now I really want to hear you be more lively because I really appreciated the smile in that that you did. Let's take it up a notch, you know, and then I'm looking to talent for inspiration as to as to what to do next. You know, as an engineer, I'm never locked into a, a style. I'm never locked into a um a delivery or or a direction. Now, I'm I'm waiting till they actually get there. It's like, okay, let's see what this person does. I'm kind of at that point I'm trying my best to put my creative hat on. I've seen the spot, I've seen the music, I've been sitting on it when you know for a few hours or a day, you know, something I'm recording tomorrow. Uh, with clients, uh, obviously with a voiceover talent of choice, whoever they chose is going to come in. But it's like I've been sitting with it already. I've already seen this spot. I know where it's headed, but I don't know what the creatives want, and I'm going to find out. But I I might have some ideas for them, or they might say, what do you think, Dave? And I'm going to tell them, you know, well, I can't understand him on this. I think he's going too fast. Can we slow down this and highlight this? Because I think it should be, you know, a little more pronounced. I think you should highlight that. You know, not not everybody's going to love everything. Sometimes people shoot me down right away. But, you know, it's my job to listen. <laughs> it's my job to, to to give that kind of input. I'm supposed to be nitpicky. I'm supposed to find those things. If I could teach everybody to have a critical ear and teach everybody how to be nitpicky, that would really make me happy uh, because, you know, then we'd have some self-editing going on and we'd have uh, some shorter roads getting there. I, I, you know, it's very unfortunate when you see an actor get stuck in a booth doing 50 takes, and then the next guy comes in and he does seven, and they're happy. It's just, you know, if an if an actor is not flexible or they can't, uh, you know, deliver, or uh, the creatives are just at a total loss of how to get that read out of that person, it's a crappy session. And the number one read to the number one way to make everybody happy is for that talent to just be flexible and just to go with it and be able to change up. I, I love giving people three in a row. If somebody says, Hey Dave, can you pick up that line and do three in a row? I'm going to give such a wide variety that they're definitely going to find something that they want to work with. I did a narration job the other day uh, for a windows company. And um, I think they were happy after take three, I read the whole script and they went, Right, we got three in the can. Like, we're super happy. Let's just start honing in on a couple of these lines. And they gave me a line, and I did three in a row, and I just gave a monster variety pack. And they went, oh, three was fantastic. Oh, but that made us think of this. So can you do another three that's more like this? (laughs) And then I did another three, and they go, okay, great. Let's move on to the next line. And I remember just thinking, I'm either making their life really, really easy, or they just really like me and what I'm doing. And uh, they never said they didn't find something in one of those reads. They always found something. That's that. All right, that does it. Let's move on to the next. Right. And uh, it was a really short job. They had to edit it into the video and look at it and make sure the timing worked. I was probably there about 35 or 40 minutes. But it was really, it, it's really fun when you know that people are responding to what you do and you're having a good time. And it really sucks when people aren't responding to what you do and you have to figure out, you know, how to make them happy or you have to figure out real quick why they're not. For a lot of talent, it has nothing to do with them. There could be two writers in the room fighting about something or the client hasn't decided on the script and they just want you to get options. So now they're throwing options at you and you're already 25 takes in just because 
they're giving you a bunch of different alternate lines because they have no idea what their client's going to like. you got to figure out that really quick, whether it's you or not, because if it's not you, you're like, okay, they're just going to keep giving me lines. It has nothing to do with me. They're just getting their coverage, and you can stay at ease, and you can continue to do what you do. But if they're making you feel like you're not giving them what you want, what they want, that sucks. Have you ever been in? Uh, have you ever been an engineer on a job where they just couldn't reconcile, and they just had to just call it, just be like, "Okay, I'm sorry, this is not working." Um, I did. I had a guy that they hired off of his demo, and he had a super strong voice. And when he came into the job, he was recorded over an ISDN line, mm-hmm. and uh, he sounded nothing like his demo. Not not anything on his demo. His voice sounded weak. He sounded old. He sounded probably 10, 15 years older than his demo was. And we tried to do the session, and we got about 25, 30 takes in, and they said, what do we do, Dave? And I said, just do a few more takes, and then tell him, fantastic, you're done, and thank you for your work, and then pick up the phone and call his agent and tell him, you know, this is not good, and this isn't what we hired. And his voice doesn't sound anything like his demo. So they made sure they recorded the whole script. You know, we did about three more takes. And they told him, fantastic, you're done. And he could tell, you know, they weren't happy. Mm -hmm. And they called the agent, and they complained. And then the agent called him, and everybody agreed. He was like, yeah, I, I just couldn't. My voice doesn't sound like that anymore. And the agent was like, well, then why is your demo on our website representing you that way? You know, because you're not, your voice can't do it. Right. So the agent was upset, the talent was upset, uh, the client was certainly upset, and they right. gave them a discount on the session because they were going to have to go hire another talent. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I mean, you took the guy's time, you picked him, but then again, he wasn't representative of what he presented himself as. Yeah. So, so it, it's utterly horrible. Yeah. One thing that I think is going to be very helpful to the audience listening is and I'm sure you run into this a lot being in being that you're a voiceover teacher is that you probably get people in the class all the time who are like I don't have any experience but I've always been told that I should get into voiceover sure. because of their voice. Yeah. Now, and I hear people sometimes when I say what I do, they'll I'll hear somebody and they'll respond with like, "Oh yeah, I, I've heard I should get into voiceover." D- does that mean that those people should get into voiceover? Or like, do you know what I mean? Do they have an advantage? Are the people is the is the public hearing something that will actually benefit that that person in voiceover? Because usually Honestly, it's like the really low voice, right? Yeah, usually. Um, and you don't hear that much on, that on the radio, really. Well, I I have a friend who's an amazing amazing telemarketer. I mean, he's made a career out of it. Uh, he's had company after company. Um, and the reason he has successful companies is because he is the great telemarketer. So he trains people to use the power of their voice and how to talk to, to people on the phone. He's really gifted, and he did get into announcing, but he's got a very pronounced big voice. He was doing some spots for casinos in Las Vegas, like when you get off the plane and you're at the airport. People always told him he had a great voice. But there's the same is true for actors. Lee, there's a lot of actors who come in and say, you know, I just want to expand my repertoire with voiceover because I want to work. I want to work. I want to be a working actor. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I have more tools to my trade and I want to be a voiceover. Well, the same goes 
in either situation. There are just certainly some people who cannot do this. The aim of teaching is that everybody can learn how to do this better, and the aim of teaching is that everyone uh, learns and realizes it's more than just talking because that's, you know, every teacher's hated statement. Well, it's just talking on a microphone. No, it's not, and I'm going to show you why it's work. And, you know, and I, I, I don't say this out loud very often, but for the purpose of this podcast, I will. My goal as as a teacher in teaching people, I in no way am trying to get more people into the voiceover business. You know, I, I want the people that enter to have a good foothold on on how to respond to clients and how to take direction and how to get the job done quicker and how to succeed. But I'm, you know, it's it's tough because I'm really not out there saying, hey, everybody should get into voiceover. You know, I'm hoping that some of these people learn that it's more difficult than they thought, and they'll either take that time and energy uh, to put toward it, or they won't. You know, it's as long as I've been in this business, 26 years, I've been an engineer, a voiceover, a musician, a director, a casting director, now an ADR supervisor, I've I've had the benefit of using just about every talent I have to make money for myself. And the whole reason I can is because I'm ultra passionate. I love this business. I love what I do on a daily basis. I love the opportunities I get. I love rising to the occasion and the challenge that is voiceover and being creative and doing great sound design. I'm fully passionate about this business. And so many people that walk into that room for the first time, if they say, well, everyone else says I have a good voice, or, you know, people have been telling me to look at the voiceover business for a long time, that statement doesn't say I've wanted to do voiceover for a long time. You know, the people that are the most passionate, the people that are going to get up and do voiceover in the shower, and read the paper in their voiceover style, and practice voiceover, and listen to iSpot.tv just for some commercials, and listen to YouTube, and type in, you know, Glade commercial, and do some research, and do some legwork, and find where current campaigns are. Those are the people that are going to succeed, because there's a passion for the business, and there's a dedication to the craft. People that say... You know, somebody told me I had a good voice or I I love the, you know, 55 and over that take the class that say, you know, I've always wanted to do voiceover and I never did it. Well, you know, the sad reality for them is most of voiceover is 25 to 45. And, you know, there's a limited amount of work for them. And I never tell them they can't get it. They could certainly get it. You know, the work that they are available and could, you know, in reality – have access to and get um, is a limited amount of work. But as long as they know that going in, I'm I'm more than happy to work with them. They just, uh, they really need to be honest about what it is they can do. And I find that people, you know, that is the hardest thing for an actor is just to be honest about their capabilities right now. You know, what can I improve on? How can I be better? You know, I do that daily in my business. Anybody who works in any kind of occupation should be asking themselves periodically, where am I in my career? What could I be doing better? How do I get better? And passionate people 
you know, will always be moving forward. And it's just unfortunate, you know, that some people get to a certain point and they feel that they're there. And uh, that's only the brink of it. <laughs> that's only the tip of the iceberg. You know, they could keep going forward. You know, we're constantly evolving. We're, we're a work in progress. We're constantly learning new things and we should always be getting better. But, uh, you know, my fear in teaching is that there's some people that are going to only take it so far and, you know, they're, they're never going to go beyond that. But you can see, you can see the twinkle. You can see when people want to act. You can see when people get that buzz when they're finally in the recording studio. You can see people come alive. And the great thing is they all do, every single one of them. Somewhere inside us is that competitive nature. And there's only, you know, maybe a, a, a couple or a few that will actually move forward from each class. Speaking of, um, I've been meaning to ask you this for a long time. Do you want to tell the uh, your Budweiser story? Sure. Okay, so I spent a lot of time hoping that there are talent out there with glory stories, you know, that that there, there's that something good happens to just about everybody. And I've 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 had many friends in this business, and and I love to hear, you know, when they've had some success. Um, and several of my friends had worked in uh, beer, you know, like Bud Light and Budweiser and Coors and Miller, and uh, you know, I was like, man how do I get in that talent pool? You know, I, I want to be one of those beer guys. Like who doesn't want to do beer? I mean, that's awesome. I, I had dabbled in Ford and I had some work with Dell for a few years and I had been the voice of a bank and I'm like, man, I want to do some beer, you know, whether it's Corona, what I don't care. Um, and I, I've always told myself I'm not a beer drinker. You know, I'm a vodka drinker, but, uh, I, I certainly drink beer. And, uh, you know, I've heard these stories about, uh, you know, somebody being hired as a voice for a beer company, and they're like, oh, we can tell they don't like beer. You know, they don't sound like a beer drinker. It's like, all right, how do I sound like a beer drinker? So I went years auditioning for that stuff. And a good friend of mine named Tom Chapa, who lives up in New York now and is still working in the voiceover business, um, he is a, he's a great guy, but he says, I know, Dave, I know you just you want to be in that. And I said, yeah, I know, but... How do I get it? He's like, just practice the read. And so I would practice read, you know, my cool guy beer voice. You know, I sounded like a yoo-hoo. I didn't, I didn't connect with anything. So in around 2010, an audition came, or 2008 actually, the first time I worked with them, an audition came in my path, and I was like, this is really good. This is a storyteller. And um, the company InBev had just bought Budweiser, and Budweiser wanted to say. Uh, you know, nothing's going to change. Everything's going to stay the same. This is the way we've been making it for 100 years, and this is the way we're going to continue to make it. And I said, you know, that sounds like a really honest storyteller, and um, it's not the cool beer guy voice. And so I said, I think I got a shot at this. And I got the job, and it turned out to be four TV spots and some radio, and it was uh, right before I had done it, George Clooney had done it. And so I won this, you know, this warmer tone work. And I did that campaign in 2008. And then 2010 came around, and they had a brand-new campaign. And it was back to the cool beer guy voice. And I, I don't know if people realize this, but all the money is in Bud Light. Bud Light advertises constantly. And Budweiser, if they do, they just throw up the bottle. They're the king of beers symbol, the crown. It's 
So you rarely hear a voiceover on Budweiser spots, or they'll show stories with the Clydesdale horses, and maybe there'll be a little bit of a narrator, but there's rarely voiceover on Budweiser spots. So this thing came along, and I'm like, ooh, it's the cool beer guy. This is awesome. I, you know, I want in the stable. I kind of dabbled in the stable, but it wasn't the cool beer guy voice. I want this job. So I looked at the script, and I read the specs, and I did exactly what we've been talking about in this conversation. I looked at the specs, and then I threw them out the window because I said, I'm not getting this job ever if I just try and do what I think is a cool beer guy sound. I'm done with that. I'm never winning the job. I've proven to myself that I'm never winning the job. So how am I going to win the job? And I said, it's not about the voice. It's not about the cool guy voice. I have to believe that I am that guy. I have to be the persona. I have, you know, we've seen the guy, uh, the Dos Equis guy with the gray hair. He's like, you know, I can't even remember that classic online. He does. I don't always drink, but when I do, it's Dos Equis. Mm-hmm. It's like, that is a guy. You know, I mean, that's him. And uh, I said, I really need that kind of persona. I need to come up with a persona that is my beer guy. And I just decided my beer guy was going to talk in the back of his throat a little bit and he was going to be a little bit cooler. And I said, ah, right, you know what, I'm going to talk like this, kind of in the back of my throat, a little more subdued, maybe a little rasp to it. And this is what I'm going to do. And so I took the script and I got on the mic and I read it and I was like, please this punch with myself. I was like, this is it. And so I sent in the audition and I got the job and they called me in. And they said, we loved what you did, so we're just going to record all this stuff. And it was a three-hour session because they hadn't written it either. They were just throwing lines at me. Um, there were these guys carrying beers like they went to the beer vendor at a baseball game, the bird dog technique, the sandbagger, all kinds of you – know, they were just throwing words at me. And it was just writing on the spot. It was an amazing, fun session. And they told me that it was looking good, and they were going to send it out to the client. And they sent it out to the client, and there was supposed to be some radio involved after the TV. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And about a week and a half went by, and I was sweating it. I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I'm staying on this campaign. And all of a sudden they called, you know, I, just about as I was giving up. And they called, and I went in, and I go, I thought you guys had given up on me. And they said, well... No, but the client wanted us to go hear celebrities again. And I go, what do you mean again? And they said, well, we didn't tell you, but uh, you auditioned up against 150 guys and Thomas Hayden Church and John Cusack. And when we told them we picked you, they wanted us to go bring John Cusack back. So we had to wait a week to get John Cusack back. But we don't know what you did, but John Cusack couldn't do it. And I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they said no, and we sold the client on you, and we showed him. So you're it. You're gonna. We're gonna redo some of the TV real quick here, and then you're doing the radio. And it was a monstrous campaign for me called uh, "It's What We Do." Budweiser, it's what we do. And uh, I was on all the radio and TV that year, and uh, it was it was very good for me. And uh, I should probably put a belt buckle on the back of my house or something, a Budweiser belt buckle to pay tribute because they've paid for siding and windows and all kinds of stuff and and been good to me. It's understood that if you get up to get a Budweiser, you come back with a round. 
How you carry that round is a matter of personal preference. There's the six-pack strangler, the St. Bernard, the flock of geese, the marsupial, the Sherpa, the claw, even the more advanced Labrador retriever. But we always come back with a beer that starts with full flavor and ends with a crisp, clean finish. It's what we do. Budweiser. Dave Leffel's beginning voiceover class is Wednesday evenings at the Acting Studio Chicago. His class always sells out, so sign up quickly at actingstudiochicago.com. If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and give me a rating or review. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.